0: Please turn in your Bible to Hebrews chapter 2. You know, there's things that grab or command our attention. A car accident, we call them rubberneckers, and they're a real problem until we get up to the accident and we kind of want to see what happened too, right? A loud, unexpected noise, somebody looking or pointing up. We have a tendency to stop and look and see what they're coming at. And so we usually stop and we give our complete attention to those things. And so there's no multitasking going on. Last week we talked about paying attention. And I thought it was really funny as I read on into chapter two. He tells us to pay closer attention. So that's the the title of today's message, Pay Closer Attention. We're going to pick up in chapter 2, we're going to read four verses. He said, For this reason, we must pay much closer attention to what we've heard, so that we do not drift away from it. For if the word spoken through angels proved unalterable, and every transgression and disobedience received a just penalty, how will we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? After it was at first spoken through the Lord, it was confirmed to us by those who heard. God also testified with them both by signs and wonders and by various miracles and by the gifts of the Holy Spirit according to His own will. Let's pray. Father, we thank You for Your Word, and Father, we pray... And ask this morning that you'll speak to us, that you'll speak clearly, that, Father, we'll gain spiritual insight. And, Father, if there's anyone here that doesn't know you, I pray and ask you to reveal yourself to them. And if they uh, and it draw them into a relationship with you. And, Father, we thank you for the love that you've demonstrated through sending your own son. And, Father, we celebrate that this time of year. And, Father, may we never forget why we have Christmas. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this morning, as we discuss paying closer attention, we're going to cover what we value. We're going to see that there's no negotiations, and we're going to take a look at the evidence. What we value, uh, we're instructed to pay much, much closer attention to what we've heard. The amount of attention we put on anything communicates the amount of value we place on it. Considering chapter or, uh, verse one, how much value has God placed on us? If we consider everything written in the first chapter of the not the first verse, but the first chapter, when He talked about um, all who Christ was, and we talked about the fact that God is speaking, this is who Christ was. He's eternal and that He's created angels to minister even to us as far as helping us walk in our relationship with the Lord. He's done all of this. How much does He value you? And so He values us enormously. He values us enough to pay with the life of His own Son. They say that... The value is what somebody's willing to pay for it, right? That's how they do appraised value on your home. What did Christ, what did the, the Father pay for you? He paid the price of His own Son. So do, we, do you value yourself in the same way that Christ values you? Do you understand that you have that value? Do you understand that He gave His best for you? you? With that in mind, how much do you value Him? Is He somebody you're just kind of glad is in your life and is part of it, but and that kind of makes you okay? He's your safety net. He's your goalie, so nothing goes in your goal that shouldn't. Or does everything in your life reflect your value of Him? Why don't we pick someone at random here this morning and we're going to just talk about all the things in your life and we'll see if that, how that values Him. Do you have any volunteers this morning?
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: Aaron says she's okay, so we'll go with her. I'll pass. <laughs> <laughs> but if we value Him the way He values us, Everything he's done is for us to reach us. Everything. And so, chapter 2 here begins with the phrase, for this reason. For this reason. Now, when you see that, for this reason, we're given the reason. Because of the value that God has placed upon us, because of the lengths that he has drawn to. Because He, who is eternal, has come and given Himself for us, He created the angels as ministering spirits to help bring us into an active, living, walking relationship with Him. For this reason, it points, in this verse, it points both back to that and it points forward to today what we're talking about. It points back to God speaking to us, telling us about His Son and to the angels who are ministered to us to put us on the path that God has for us. Look at all He's done to help us walk with Him. Do you think He values that? Now, does walking with Him mean, yeah, woo, man, I prayed a prayer, I'm saved, I'm good. You don't have to worry about me no more. Well, tell me about your salvation. Well, when I was seven years old or eight years old, I prayed and received Christ and He he saved me. Wow, that's fantastic. Is that where it ended? Is that the last thing that happened with you and the Lord? Oh, no, 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 that's not. I get all these blessings from Him and everything's going fine. Really? Um... Some of the evidence of the indwelling Holy Spirit is that He leads you into all Scripture. He begins to teach us Scripture. He sends people in our life to challenge us, to make us go back and look. How many of you have ever changed your view on a verse of Scripture before? That's called sanctification. That's the journey. But before you change your view, you would have sworn it was the other way. That's part of the work of the Holy Spirit. Conviction of sin. Now, let me tell you what conviction is. Conviction is not, hey, you're a terrible person. How could you have done that? You're so awful. Good people don't do that. You must not be good. That's not conviction, folks. That's condemnation that doesn't come from the lord because there is therefore no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus why because all our sins been handled conviction causes us to realize that we've missed out on something that god had for us and it doesn't leave us in despair it leaves us with hope about tomorrow Because it draws us back to him, not away from him. And that's how it works. And so this looks back. This one phrase for this reason looks back to all that God done. But it also points forward, alerting us to the risk of leaving it. To the risk of leaving and walking away. And becoming casual to the Lord again or becoming indifferent or, you know, man, I don't want to be a religious freak. That really makes me uncomfortable. You ever been there? I've been there. I know exactly what that's all about. I was telling somebody about that today. There was this. I mean, I, I was saved when I was seven. There was this person in high school that was like super religious and, and she made me uncomfortable. It's just too much for me. And what I realized was that I had a compromised life. I wasn't living for the Lord. She was. We were kind of acquaintances. We didn't really know each other really well, but there was always, if you got into a conversation with her, it would turn toward the Lord. Amen? Amen. That's the way it should be. But the Lord works on you, and guess what I remember today? Yep. Right? Little seeds. That was a seed planter. And so it points forward, alerting us to the risk of leaving it. What you have heard is not meant just to be something we learned or a fond memory. That was really cool. I really learned something about God's Word today. We go to conferences, we go to all these things, we want to go sign up and go wait for marriage seminars we go away for singles retreats or all these things you go, that was really cool and you walk away and there's no change i when i was a when i did work as a youth pastor i used to tell you because man it was emotional you could i could track i could tell you what's going to happen each day at a five-day camp the first day everybody's all excited Day two, everybody's kind of starting to get on each other's nerves, but we're still all acting okay. Day three, you have a blowout. Somebody blows up at somebody because we're so tired of their socks being on my pillow when I go to bed. Day four, everybody's still still kind of simmering a little bit, even though we've said we're sorry and it's still simmering. And then day five, everybody's crying because we got to go home. And this is so awesome. God, it was awesome. <laughs> and they would, kids would always talk to me. And I said, listen, I, I believe that I'm supposed to make this decision. I said, that's fantastic. I said, let's make it. But then let's continue the past two weeks. Because people will make decisions in emotion that are not led by the Lord. Or they are led by the Lord, and we get back to this regular daily living and we leave them alone, we leave them aside. God has not called us to a smorgasbord Christianity. Do they even have those anymore? Do they even call that anymore? Y'all, if y'all know that word, raise your hand. Make me feel like I'm not as old as I would. Yes. We call them buffets now. But you kind of pick and choose and you take what you want. You don't have to take all of it. Right? We kind of treat God that way. We want God in our life. But we don't want Him to have everything. We don't want him to keep some of these things. We just want Him to make them better. Right? Well... <laughs> We think about these things that God did. That was really wonderful, but we have to understand that that's meant to be part of our everyday life. So he warns us here, he says, be careful you don't drift away from what you heard. Isn't that how it happens? We don't throw it out. We don't go, oh, I reject that. We just kind of drift. You know, that was so awesome what you did there, God, but what have you done for me lately? Or this was really cool. And now, you know, I just kind of grow cold over time. You know, I was working, we were building a a dock for a friend of mine. And I had taken my gloves off because I was having trouble grabbing the screws. And the wind was picking up and all that. And I started looking for my glove. And I saw it. It was in the water. And it was only about 10 feet. And so we had a cutoff. And you know what you do? You go... And you try and reach. And you know what it does? It creates ripples. And moves it away. And so I was like, are you serious? And so I I said, you know, I resigned myself to this thing being at the bottom of this pond for the rest of its life. And... So I went on working and I thought I thought, well maybe with the wind blowing it made it all the way across. And so I walked all the way around and there it was. It has slowly drifted, and when it drifted, it drifted further and further away. It doesn't drift toward us, it drifts away. And that's what he's wanting. And it wasn't because I didn't care about it. I mean, I was trying to reach it. I went all the way around to get it. It's not because I didn't care. And it's not because it wasn't important. It wasn't given any attention. It wasn't secured. I let it slip away. But I was able to recover it. And so ladies and gentlemen, we need to make sure that we not only pay attention, but we pay closer attention. There are times that we're paying attention, but then there's times that we block everything out and we pay attention to whatever's going on. And that's the attention that God wants from us. He doesn't want us to be casual and just kind of whatever. You know, I can take him or leave him. You know, it's okay. God knows. I'm forgiven anyway, right? It doesn't matter. It absolutely matters because you're going to miss out every day on the blessing of being there in the moments and the things that God has created you for, and you're gonna miss it. And this really sad part of that is, sometimes we don't care. That's sad for me. What we value, we need to pay closer attention. I get this, this is really interesting and i found this to be huh, kind of insightful. In verses 2 and 3, we see this idea that that there's no negotiating with the Lord, that there's no negotiations. See, people tend to partially dismiss what we hear or read. However, the writer lays down a case that God's word is true and it's going to happen. Now, we would all say that, right? God's word is true. But we kind of hope that God will understand That he will kind of get it. He know, after all, God knows who I am. He knows my idiosyncrasies. He understands his grace covers that. And we kind of compromise his word some because of what we want or things we're comfortable with or things we're not comfortable with in his word. So, well, you know, that's true. And I I agree, I believe that that's true. But, we go on to other things because our flesh wants it or our mind says it's okay. Here's what he lays down related to that. He says this, the word spoken through angels proved unalterable. It proved unalterable when God sends his word it does not change it is true today whether you like it or not whether culture says it's politically correct or not I think that's the biggest threat we have to the true accuracy and truth of God's word is political correctness today we're so afraid to speak truth for the fact of offending somebody because if they don't agree with us, we're labeled haters instead of Christ lovers. If we tell somebody that if they don't turn to Christ, there's no hope for them. Well, you don't love them. So saying no means we don't love But let it yet if you let your kid play out in the street, they'll take them away and put them in foster care. Does that make any sense? The world we live in is an upside down world, folks. We need to not let it determine our course. We need we are called to be salt and light. We are not placebos. That's the Greek word for means do nothing. and make everybody think that you're really doing something. That's what a placebo is. Every word spoken through the angels proved unalterable. It did not change. Get this. It gets worse. Every transgression and disobedience received a just penalty. There were no exceptions. Well, it's okay. You know, it doesn't matter. I'm not hurting anybody. Nope, Everyone. Everyone, what happens to me if I murder somebody? If I if I go out and murder somebody today and I get caught, I go to jail, right? I can go to jail as a Christian if I do that. That's just in this world. It would be unjust, really it would be grace for me to not go. With God, every transaction receives a fair treatment. And so we can't escape the effects of the choices that we make. Now, God has taken care of the eternal effects, but the temporary and the effects here in this world don't go away. If we lie to somebody or somebody lies to us, it's hard to trust them, isn't it? Even if we admit it, it takes time to rebuild trust. You know what? And I used to hear this. I'm going to address this. I'm going to chase this rabbit quickly, and then we're coming back. Well, how can I trust them? How can I forgive them? They lied. Forgiveness and trust are different. Forgiving somebody is letting it go. What they did, trust has to be rebuilt and reearned over time. You can trust somebody again that's made a mistake. Anybody in here ever told a lie? Look around. Okay. All right. Now, we've all done it. But it's not a regular habit, right? Hopefully. (coughs) And we still trust each other. That's how it works. He then asks this question how will we escape? So he gives these two things. He says God's word does not change everything, it's unalterable what the angel said. Every transgression and disobedience is going to receive a fair or righteous judgment. Then he asks this question. So he lays, it's really fun watching how the, uh, the writer constructed this. He lays this down and he says, this happened and this had to happen. This happens. And then he asks this question. He says, how will we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? You can't. You're losing out on it now. If you don't value what Christ has done in you and you don't give it the attention and the relationship that it deserves, you are going to miss out. There's no way around it. You will miss out today on what God could be doing through you. We lose. Our salvation carries with it the responsibility to obey the Lord and represent him accurately in this world. There's a responsibility when God enters a don't how many of you parents that your children have responsibilities? Right? And what happens if they do them? All goes well for them, and all the kids said. Mm-hmm. What happens when you don't fulfill your responsibilities? You get in trouble with your parents? <laughs> They're like, ain't hey, you moving now. I, mean. hey, I don't know do that. <laughs> Even as parents, you know that as your kids obey, things go better for them. And as they disobey, they go bad. It's the same with us, with the Lord. Why would we think it's any different? If you're struggling in your life, I'm going to ask you to check to make sure that there's not something you've left undone. Has He become a secondary priority to you or He is your main priority? Is everything in your life built around Him? Trusting Him to provide everything you need. See, usually we, when we depart from Him, we really think He won't provide. That's why we don't do it. That's why Abraham did what he did. And now we have Isaac and Ishmael fighting to this day. You know, how can God do that? You know, he laughed. He says, she's 90. How many of you ladies, when you're 90, would like to have another child? (laughs) How do you really feel? And so, you cannot negotiate another plan or an excuse with God. Oh God, you know, if I do the... Remember the old... Y'all remember the movie The End with Burt Reynolds? Where he's... Oh, y'all never saw that? That's, I know, it's kind of, it was kind of a secondary movie for him. Y'all remember Smoking the Bandit? Okay, just checking. But the movie The End, he's, he's, he wants to kill himself. And he goes and he's going to drown himself, he's swimming out in the ocean, and, he's getting, and it's getting deeper and deeper. and he changes his mind. and he says, and he starts praying to God if you'll save me, I'll give you 90 percent of my income." And he starts swimming back. and as he gets closer to shore, the percentage starts going down. Yeah, 60 or was it 60. Yeah. And it goes down as he gets closer. And that's what we do. When everything's okay, we kind of negotiate God. God doesn't negotiate because every word that came from the angels is unalterable. You can't change it. It is what it is and it says what it says, and if things aren't working it's because we're not lining up or He's working on something else in us. He's trying to teach us something. And so we have to do it his way. And trust Him to deliver the greater things than we could ever come up with. We leave this section in uh, chapter 2 with the evidence. Here's the evidence for the accuracy of the things we've heard. We see that it was first spoken through the Lord. See, that should settle the matter. Do y'all remember that bumper sticker a few years back that said... The Lord said it, I believe it, that settles it. Y'all remember that bumper sticker? I'm going to tell you, that bumper sticker was the worst bumper sticker ever. Let me tell you the truth. The Lord said it, that settles it whether I believe it or not. That's the truth. And if you don't like it, too bad. Do you guys like everything you read in God's word? Anybody? You like everything you read? No. Is the problem the word? No. Problem's us. That's the problem. Why don't I like that? Have I been conformed to my community? Have I been conformed to this time in in the the journeys of time that is going on with what's acceptable and unacceptable? Have I allowed that to affect me? Why would I ever be apprehensive to share the gospel of Jesus Christ? Because the enemy's worked on my mind and told me how unworthy I am and how terrible I am. And so, unless I live this perfect life, I can't share the gospel. If that's the truth, then nobody ever would. Well, they're going to say, well, this about you and They know what you said. They know when you lost your temper. Anybody ever lost their temper? (laughs) Thank you. Just me and Chris. (laughs) I know. I'm getting mad at them now. (laughs) And Joe, James. James lost his. I can't imagine James ever losing his temper. Jeannie didn't move a muscle. Did you see that? She did not move a muscle. Maybe because he's behind her. (laughs) (laughs) But remember when Mark lost his temper, how can he be saved? No. The reason I lost my temper, that's the reason I needed to be saved. The reason I make mistakes, that's why I had to be saved. Don't let the enemy steal the evidence of your need of salvation away. That's part of our journey in sanctification But those are the reasons. Don't lose, don't let him steal that away. The evidence, it was first spoken through the Lord, it was confirmed to us by those who heard it. We have witnesses, folks. You know, we say, well, how do I know that this Jesus thing is real? How do I know that this is true? I'm going to challenge you. Know, how do I know that this is the correct path and not some other path, some other religion? I would challenge you that anywhere in this globe that you go and somebody places their faith in Christ, that you don't see transformation, that you don't see life change. When it's genuine. All the other religions other than Christianity teaches what you have to do to be acceptable to God. This is the only one that teaches that God did it for you. And when faith has been preached and faith has been exercised, it does not matter where you are. You see transformation in the lives of people. And you don't see that with other religions. They're all works based, every one of them. (coughs) Every one. You you start naming them off. There's cults out there that mask as Christian religion today, and people don't want to call it out. Jehovah's Witnesses are not a Christian, (laughs) they're not Christian. They're a cult. The Catholic Church is not a Christian organization. It's a cult. I knew I was going to make somebody upset when I said that.
1: It's
0: the truth. You want, if you don't want the truth, <laughs> this ain't the place for you. When I'm looking to marry for grace instead of Jesus Christ, I got a problem. Let me tell you this. The answer is not in being Baptist either. The answer is being in Christ. In Christ. Not in not in some religion with a name. <coughs> Look at what they say about Jesus Christ. Do they preach him and him crucified? And if they do, then they're of him. And if they add to that, they're not. The Mormon religion, another one, another cult. Listen, we've tolerated, this is not politically correct, but I really honestly, I don't care. You guys need to hear the truth. There is salvation in no other name under heaven among men, whereby you must be saved. His name is Jesus Christ, and in Him, and without Him, there is no hope for you. And unless you fix your eyes upon Christ, you are never going to learn to walk the way you should. You're always going to be looking to yourself and trying to mitigate and trying to make everything okay instead of letting Him. Maybe we are supposed to change the seasoning by being salty. Or maybe that time that you compromise, God has been working in them Saying, well, if it's so true, why don't you show somebody who is? And instead of standing up and them saying, wow, there is somebody, we cower and sit quietly. Because we think it will create an opening for us in the future. God has called us to today. There is no promise of tomorrow. And if we don't act and follow him today, we are going to miss out on what he has for us today. The day before my friend Tim's death, we were making plans. It was over a month ago. We were making plans for the day after Thanksgiving. He had invited. He had invited me to a football game that went into seven overtimes. The foot, the game of the year. They said was the that was, I, had, I had. Yeah, I had made, We had been talking about making going. He had invi- He had tickets. He had no clue that the next day he'd be dead. Less than 24 hours later, he's in the grave. Folks, you know, we talk about that, people hear that, we go, oh yeah, we kind of dismiss it. But it's real. You don't know. People die every day out on the roads. People die every day from taking the wrong medication saw a story on that where they couldn't figure out this 10-year-old boy's death and there was was prescribed a drug to help him with his uh, ADHD and the drug, there was I think like two, three letters difference the pharmacist filled it inaccurately, took the pills and it killed him it took him a while to figure it out, it took two corners to figure it out Folks, we don't know. You have no promise. We need to live like this. If this was your if you knew for sure that you were gonna die tomorrow morning at 8 a.m., would you change anything you're doing today? You don't have to leave. See, that's application, ladies and gentlemen. Evidence. It was confirmed by those who heard it. They validated. They were witnesses. They said it happened like this. The evidence, God's actions and signs, he actions by signs and wonders, various miracles, and the giving of Holy Spirit gifts backed up what he said. God does not speak idly, ladies and gentlemen. He does not speak idly. He speaks the truth. And he means what he says. And he follows through on what he says. We need to take heart, ladies and gentlemen, of what the Lord has said. We need to take heart. It matters what God's word says. We didn't just pick and choose what day we decide to follow him. We follow him every day. And if you don't like something, tell him. Say, God, I hate this verse in your word. Be honest with him. I would never say to God that I hate this <clears throat> Tell him the truth. He already knows it. Have an honest interaction. Say, God, I'd love to read your word, but I don't ever understand it. Or God every time I seem to follow you my life seems to get worse. you ever been there let me tell you let me tell you the ploy of the enemy. anybody who's on the brink or deciding to apply what God's word says the enemy will come through and they'll, he'll, he'll attack in that moment your obedience so he can stop you from doing it again And the sad thing is is we give in to that kind of garbage. Man, You know, I tried to share Christ with them and now I'm demoted and I'm doing this job that I hate. You know what? If sharing Christ gets you fired, then go get another job. Because your job doesn't provide your income. The Lord does. <coughs> Don't ever elevate the things of the world over the God who created the things of the world. Then not make sense. And so in paying closer attention, there's a few things we need to realize. The things we value, number one, the things we value in this life are placed in a prominent place in our home and life. Projects or less important things are stored and attended to when we have time or to decide it's something we want to accomplish. How many of you have ever sold one of your projects in a garage sale, but you sold it as a project for somebody else? Why didn't it get done? Here come the excuses. I can start to hear it, I can hear your brain clanking along. Well, I didn't have time, I didn't have this, and I didn't know how to do that, and I couldn't find the part, I didn't do that. <laughs> That's what it sounded like. Listen, if God is just a project in your life, then you're missing out. You're missing out. Using this measure of how things are placed in your life, where does your relationship with the Lord sit in your life? In a prominent place, or is he just a project, kind of I'll get around to it? I know a church that had some little discs printed up, and they printed up the letters on there, T-U-I-T. And they handed them out. And they said, now you have a round to it. Get on it. Some of you, that'll come over (laughs) lunch. You get around to it. Where does he sit in your life? Two. Some of us may hope some things about the Lord are not true or we negotiate them away in our mind by telling ourselves that God understands. Listen, God is unchanging and he does understand better than you do. And you better believe him at his word. You better believe him at his word. I'm telling you, he gets it better than you do. You think you're fooling him. There's no fool in the Lord. Three. If you're doubting the Lord. <clears throat> and you know we do. Take an honest look at the evidence. Don't look at it in light of your own self. Well that didn't work out for me. I prayed. Nothing happened. I prayed for a new car. I prayed for a new car. Hey that may work. Get people to. See a noise. We all pay attention. We're going to make full circle. Everybody looked. Everybody looked. But it didn't work out for me. Well, maybe I wasn't praying for what the Lord wanted. Instead of me, instead of him being the problem, maybe it's... <coughs> listen, take an honest look at the evidence. We're not an exception. I would. I want to be part of the rule of what Scripture says. I want to be in the beloved. I want to be in the moment of blessings. And blessings are not stuffing things. It's not bank accounts. It can be, but that's a Nothing. Money comes and goes, doesn't it? It's very fleeting. Very fleeting. Ask people who lived in the nineteen thirties when the stock market crashed and hundreds and millions of dollars vaporized out of their accounts. If your security is in money, you're in bad situation, folks. It's fleeting. You know we're at uh, an interesting time of year. How many of you have a stealth mode when trying to select presents for your loved ones for Christmas? Your ears kind of tune in, you kind of watch, and you, they make little comments. And you're like, oh, you start that around like October, November, right? You know, what did Billy Bob say he wanted for Christmas? Or he didn't say that, he's like, man, I really need this new thing or this, that, or the stuff and things, right? And we kind of pay attention and we listen and we make our little lists to ourselves. Have you, remember when you were a kid you made a list for your parents? Did any of you ever do that as a kid? Me and Chris again, thanks Chris. I'm glad you're here today. I'm glad I would be alone. Oh, and Meredith. I think Meredith's hand is up too. We made lists. I know somebody who actually takes the the circulars and circles it for their husband and leaves it on the countertop.
1: It's not Terry. Because
0: if you ask Terry, her mind will go blank. If you just wait on it, it'll come. You have to be in stealth mode. But we do. We pay attention to those things. We pay attention to what they want. And we kind of know what they want. Don't you kind of know the people around you kind of what they want, what they wouldn't like, you know, at Christmas? Can you picture something that if you bought for your a loved one, you knew they would not like it? I think of a couple things. Right? Don't get any ideas. But here's what we... We pay attention... To comments they make about themselves or what they're doing or even something they commented on months ago that stood out to us. Because You know why? Because we love them. We love them. We want to get them something. And we, we bring gifts and we do that. We pay close attention because we love them and want to please them. Not to get love, but because we do love. Right? That's why we're supposed to pay attention here. Not to get love from God, but because we love Him. The only reason not to pay attention to somebody is because you don't care about them. If if we love the Lord, we ought to be paying attention. We're told here to pay close attention so we don't drift away. Do it because you genuinely love Him and want to please Him. Don't do it because you think you've got to do it. Love is an outflow of the heart. And if you don't love him, tell him that. Say, Lord, I don't know that I love you or I don't know that I love you the way I'm supposed to love you. An honest response and prayer to the Lord, man, he can handle it. How would you ever say that to God? I would say that to God if that were true about me. God can handle the truth. Playing church don't work with him, it can work with us, let's be honest. We're even warned about people that come in and put on a good show. They have a form of godliness, although they've denied its power. Lost. But they're putting on a good show. We're not called to a show, we're called to the Saviour. We need to walk with Him. There's people around us. There's neighbors that you have. There's people you know. There's family and friends that need the Lord. Number one, they need the Lord. Then they need a good church. If they're looking for a good church, come talk to me. I'll recommend one. Don't hesitate. Don't hold back. This is a wonderful time of year. It's a natural conversation to talk about Jesus' birthday. Do you know why he really came? Really. Well let me share with you. This is why Jesus came. Because the cross was only his entrance into this world. I mean the, the manger was only his entrance into this world. He came and went to the cross for you me. It's an easy transition. What has God said to you today? I'm going to ask everybody to bow their head and close their eyes.